Well, it's Palm Sunday, so we're taking a break from our uh, Becoming Who You Are series in Ephesians for a couple of weeks as we want to consider what happened uh, today on, you know, on the Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. And then next week, uh, we want to look at uh, the resurrection of Jesus. So today we're going to turn to Luke 19, Luke chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and head over to Luke 19 so we can read together. And as you do that, let me just say a few things. You'll know the story well. Um, and Sarah has helpfully reminded that the boys and girls, as well as us, of it already. So I just want to broaden that a little bit. The Jewish Passover would have begun. Jerusalem's population would have swelled to over six times its normal size as pilgrims traveled to the city. Every room would have been filled, campsites being set up on every available hillside and all inhabited by Jews who would have traveled from across the known world. Well, then we arrive in Luke 19 and we see that Jesus and his disciples arrive at the small village just outside of the great city of Jerusalem. And he sends two disciples for a donkey, a colt, and they went, found found it just as Jesus had said, and brought it back to him. So we know that. We know that story. And so we pick up the account in verse 36, 36 to 44 of Luke 19. So let's read that together. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciple. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you, when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. You could also change that last word to the time of your salvation. Let's pray and then we'll dig in. Father, we ask that as we look at this uh, very familiar Palm Sunday story that we would see it again afresh, that we would see it in a new light. Lord, we pray that you would help us do that by your Spirit. Let us see Jesus and let us fall in love with him all over again, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we approach Luke 19 and the Palm Sunday story, the first thing I want you to notice, and the first point this afternoon is this, that we see great expectation from the crowd. The crowd has great expectation. Well, over the last weeks in our house, we've had great expectation and great excitement going around. You see, it was our daughter, Annabeth's second birthday yesterday, and we had been telling her, over the last weeks and uh, that it was coming up. So every day since uh, she has been going around the house saying happy birthday and uh, we knew that when she said this she was talking about her own birthday uh, probably wishing it was that very day she said it and uh, 
we would say, yes, it's coming very soon. And every time we say it was coming soon, she would go, and then she would smile. And then she would uh, be filled with excitement about that birthday, that day that was coming up. Well, I wonder what, for you, you're excited about and expectant for. I know that's maybe a hard question to ask uh, to ask and to answer in this current climate. Or maybe for you, the current climate helps you to look forward to your future expectancies. Maybe that's a good way to think about it. Maybe we are expecting a big reunion with our loved ones when this is all over. Maybe we are excited to get our businesses back up and running and maybe the ideas that we have come up with since we've had some time to think and we're looking forward to implementing. Maybe we are expecting and are excited about what God will do during the quarantine period in our life, in our family, in our world. Maybe we are and maybe we have great expectations and excitement about the great homecoming that we will have when we meet together again for the first time in the building where we meet as a church. I'm certainly looking forward to that rather than sitting here in front of the camera. Well, here we have in this part of the scripture a very expectant and excited crowd. Sure, they even shouted, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. In other Gospels we see, they say, Peace in, in heaven and glory in the highest, or Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna in the highest. See, those phrases of praise are the cumulative phrases of praise which the crowd used across all four Gospels. You go and read it, you can accumulate those sort of praises. Well, how incredible are these words of praise? They're wonderful, aren't they? These loudly spoken, sung praises, uh, giving uh, due honour to the king on the colt. Well, it seems through these praises that the crowd has a great understanding about Jesus. They know their Old Testament scripture. They have been waiting for this king for a long, long time. Their desire, as their song says, is Hosanna, which means save, please, or save me. See, these phrases of praise were held in high esteem, such high esteem, actually, that they should be only used for a Messiah. And such high esteem where actually the Pharisees heard the crowd using them. He, they told Jesus to tell the crowd to be quiet. But Jesus says, if we quieten them, the creation will only cry out the stones, as he says in verse 14. In other words, nothing or no one will cease the praise that is due to the king on the colt. So there's great uh, excitement and great uh, expectancy. Secondly, there's great misunderstanding. Yes, there's great misunderstanding. How often is the Palm, St Palm Sunday story told like I've just told it? And rightly so, it's all true and it's there and it's, and it's in the Bible. But it's not complete and it's not real. Because the story is bigger. The problem with the crowd's praises is that they were misdirected. They found their source in the wrong desires. What do I mean? Well, as much as the crowd seemed to understand, it, its misunderstanding loomed large at this moment. See, look at the second half of verse 37 for a second. 
says the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. For all the mighty works they had seen, that is why they are praising him. And that's great. But my question is, well, what had they seen? Well, the day before Palm Sunday, Jesus raised his best friend Lazarus from the dead. They saw many men and women and children healed of disease. They saw the lame made to walk and the blind made to see. They saw Jesus feed thousands upon thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. They had heard all the things Jesus claimed to be. And now, to top that off, he's now sitting on a colt, a young donkey that has never been sat on or ridden before. Have you ever sat on a donkey? Well, I have, and it lasted about 30 seconds until I was on the floor. See, donkeys are stubborn and unpredictable beasts. They don't do what you want them to do. But Jesus is placed on it and has complete control over it, unsurprisingly, as he created it. So what do we see here? What do we see? We see a crowd who sees so much but perceives nothing. See, this great crowd were praising Jesus, shouting, Save us! Not because they wanted saving from eternal punishment in hell or separation from Jesus, but actually they wanted saved from temporal hardships and political pressures. Their joy was ignited by self-centred motives. See, the oppression from Roman rule in Jerusalem was real. And they wanted Jesus to come in and to do hard business with the government, overthrow it and free them from current situation. This was the popular expectation of Jesus. Therefore the shouts of admiration for Jesus from the crowd were motivated by common politics. Think about the palm branches. We know this with them very well, we read about them, but they were a symbol stating the desire for national independence. But here's the issue with this all. Jesus was not the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy to conquer a physical battle. Jesus was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy for a much greater task, a spiritual battle. A commentator of the Bible called P.J. Wenzel says this, the people were right to expect a great leader who would deliver them from bondage. But this would not be a physical exodus, but a spiritual one. Well then, thirdly, we see Jesus and his great mourning. Look at verse 41 and 42 for a second. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. This is what Jesus uh, says as he looks over this city. He weeps here. And the original Greek language gives us the impression of mourning, 
That's how strong it was, as if you mourn over someone who has passed away. And yet the crowd still gathered around singing praises. And yet in the middle of that is a king who weeps over his people because he sees the heart of the people, who, which he sees selfishness and self-centeredness and wickedness and idolatry. And it broke Jesus' heart. He mourned over his people, Israel, those who he loved and he treasured. Those with whom there has been a covenant, a promise to them from the earliest of days. Those who have let God down before and now have done it again. But we must notice something wonderful here about Jesus. He is emotionally complex. He is tender-hearted. He feels pain and hurt and sadness. His tears here are not an indication of failure. But his tears are an indication of fulfilment. What do I mean? Well, see, he foretold that he would face a people who would mock him and treat him shamefully and spit upon him and they would kill him. And although not happening now, he saw the heart of the people who would do this in five days' time. Let me finish with this point. And it's point number four. Jesus is a great saviour. Jesus is a great saviour. His tears here were not necessarily the thing that made him a great saviour. His foreknowledge was not necessarily the thing that made him a great saviour, nor his miracles or claims. But get this today. Jesus riding into Jerusalem at the right and perfect time shows us his intentional steps toward a cruel death on a cruel cross. See, the crowd want a physical freedom from the problems around them. But Jesus comes not to get rid of their trouble and trials and problems, but to free them from their greatest problem, which is sin, and offer all of them eternal life in him. See, he's a great saviour because if, if it was us and we knew the hearts of the ones that we were going to die for, we would get off that donkey and we would walk back up the hill. But Jesus purposefully walked into Jerusalem for the last time as if, and knowing it in a few short days, those hosannas that he heard would become crucify him and he would be hanging on a tree in excruciating pain, bearing the sins of the crowd around him and all who would breathe a breath, the entire earth, which includes me and you. But there's one more thing that makes Jesus a great saviour. You see, we see from scripture that he is just, he is a fair saviour. As he saw the heart of the people and wept over them, he also prophesied over them that in 40 years they would be overcome by the ones that they so desperately want freedom from now. The Romans. Look at verse 43 and 44. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. What stark words of prophecy that he prophesied over the people. 
not only is he a king of an in, of intentional love, but a king of perfect justice. You can't deny this. But if you were to follow anyone in this world, you would want them to be fair and to be just. Well, here's such a king, such a leader, and such a saviour, and his name is Jesus. Rome will be destroyed in 40 years' time from this moment, AD 70, and we know that for a fact, that it did happen. And then it will be clear for all those who missed what Jesus was doing as he entered into Jerusalem. They will know that they missed the opportunity for genuine and true and deep and personal worship and surrender to Jesus on the first Palm Sunday. Well, there's a lesson for us, isn't there? Right now. You see, Jesus is passing by and now is the time for us, every single one of us, to call on his name for salvation. If we do not know him, we need to call on his name. Not to escape the physical trouble that's surrounding us right now, but to be made right before God spiritually and to have a seal over your soul that says, Heaven. But most importantly today is this. And please listen to this. The crowd in Jerusalem wanted a saviour. But they wanted him to free them from the current trouble. And I'm sure that if Jesus did grant them their wants, that soon after the trouble had gone, they would have forgotten all about him. We must be careful in these days not to be like this crowd. You see, as the pandemic around us, COVID-19 presses in, we are rightly inclined to look above and outside of ourselves for help because there's nothing in us that will help us. But be warned, it is not a temporal help we need to be asking for. That is not the most important help. Do not ask for removal from the circumstance to then go on living like you did before, forgetting Jesus altogether, but get on your knees and seek the living God, the one who willed this all, who is ever present, who is never absent, and repent of your sin and know today a hope that stretches way beyond this pandemic and this world into an eternity with this King. See, today is the day we can know and know a hope that is steadfast and certain, of sins forgiven, and Jesus as our own. So may today be a day that we live the opposite to the crowd and devote our lives to living for Jesus, the great and wonderful Saviour. Father, we pray that would be true. We would devote our lives from this moment onwards to living for that great and wonderful Saviour, Jesus Christ, who entered into Jerusalem, intentionally going to die for us on the cross. Lord, may we give our lives, fully devoted lives, to you and to your service. Lord, we thank you for, your, for the reminder this morning from your word of your great Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, may we move into this week knowing that he is a great, uh, loving Saviour, but also a just Saviour as well. May we trust him in these uncertain days, in these uncertain moments, but not just for the moment, but forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.